Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health, and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. So today I have the amazing Tess Masters with us. She is a lifestyle personality and she is coming on the show to really talk to us about the power of building up your immunity. There's a lot of questions that people have right now about how to stay strong during some of these trying times. And so Tess is here not to just share her business story, but she's also going to give us some tips on some things that we can do to strengthen our bodies. So Tess, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited to talk to you. Would you mind telling our listeners how you even got started with your work and what do you fully do? Well, I, I'm actually an actor and a presenter. That's what I, that's how I started my career uh, in the workspace. But I was always very, very passionate about health and nutrition. I was going to go and study and become a dietitian or a nutritionist or a health coach or something like that. But I was just, you know, traveling around the world with theater shows and, and doing voiceovers and things like that. And when, you know, I grew up on a pretty conventional diet of meat and three veg, you know, my mother cooked, you know, really good, wholesome, whole foods, foods from scratch. We didn't have a lot of added sugar or processed food or fast food, but it was a pretty conventional omnivore diet until I was a teenager and I just was plagued with extreme lethargy. And I didn't, you know, I had a lot of different blood tests done. Nothing really showed up in my blood panels that was alarmed or anything like that. So I just couldn't understand why I was so tired in the afternoons and I just wanted to take a nap. And finally, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr virus. And I went to a naturopath, which was very hippy-dippy, you know, 30-something years ago. And he suggested that I change my diet in the hopes that that would help me to feel better and have more energy. And it did. So he suggested that I give up gluten and dairy. I'm not a celiac. I am not lactose intolerant. But I did have an intolerance of sorts to both of those things and suggested that I do fish with mostly a plant-based diet. So I did do that. And within a matter of days, I really felt significantly better. And so that was really the introduction for me to the concept of food as medicine. And I really became intoxicated with this concept. And so I tried every diet known to man. You know, I, I'm a type A personality, so I wanted to master my own health, even if it was going to kill me. So I really did become one of those annoying people that finds the answer every three months and tries to recruit everybody that they know. <laughs> you and, stop me. Until <laughs> yeah, finally, you know, my dad, who's, you know, he's pretty easygoing and he's he's pretty fabulous. He's got a lot of common sense, sat me down and said, we really commend your um, your commitment to to you know mastering your health but we're exhausted you know and we're sick of watching you you know spend 15 minutes telling the waiter what you can and can't have and food should be fun right so you know it was a very simple thing for him to say to me but it came at exactly the right time so you know the minute that 
I really embrace the concept of flexibility rather than rigidity and the concept of bioindividuality. My entire world opened up. I really did start to think of food and health and come at it from a place of abundance rather than depletion. Thinking about my health in terms of what I could do as opposed to what I couldn't do. And I think that for me, it's just a much more healthy, joyful way to look at look at food and wellness. And it, it just became something that was very fun uh, and very flexible and non-judgmental. And so when, it, when I started the Blender Girl website, I really started it to share, you know, just share my journey with food, with family and friends. And at the time, you know, I was thinking about, well, if I'm going to start this food website and all these other people are doing all this amazing stuff, you know, what is my point of difference? And at the time, you know, I was sitting there looking at my high-speed blender, thinking about all the different ways that I used it. And way back when, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot out there celebrating the blender beyond juices and smoothies. And so, you know, I thought about all the different ways that I use my blender for, you know, soups, stocks, condiments, sauces, salad dressings, desserts, compost, cleaning products, homemade skincare, it goes on and on and on, you know. And I really think that the blender levels the playing field in the kitchen, you know, and it helps novice cooks and people that might not be so confident in the kitchen or people that are just you know, time poor or children or teenagers or men or, you know, college kids or whatever it might be to cook something really or prepare something really nourishing for themselves with very little skills and even less time. So I really thought that there was something to that. And so when it came time to really work on my branding and, you know, think about what my message was and what my core values were and the things that I wanted to share with people. The more I researched blending as a method of food prep, it just very quickly became a metaphor for how I live my life and how I think we all do. You know, some people call it their pieces of the pie or their puzzle, their perfect pieces of their puzzle. I really thought about what is my perfect blend for health and happiness, you know, so it's work, loving relationships, activities, hobbies, time with family and friends, et cetera. And so I started asking people, what's your perfect blend? You know, and one email turned into five, turned into 50, turned into 500, turned into 5,000 a week. And here we are. So that's really in a nutshell how it sort of all came to be. Got it. Okay. So when did the Blender Girl turn into an actual business? Uh, Look, actually very quickly. So I had a partner and he worked in advertising and he was a branding genius. So I think that in the course of our relationship, I really learned a lot about him formulating messaging and strategy for, you know, international companies. And so when it came time to formulate my own brand, you know, I really understood the power of planning and researching and reverse engineering. I think, uh, you know, when you're starting a business or you're even thinking about starting a business, I think it's really important to know where you want to go and where you want to go determines, you know, and what you want to do determines how you're going to go about building it. So I'm a very, very big believer in that. So I built, you know, worked on my branding for a year before I started the Blender Girl. So I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it and where I wanted the company to go. And so 
the company has a lot of arms to it now. So the Blender Girl website or the Decadent Detox website or skinny60.com, you know, those are the three main websites in the company, but there's a lot of other things going on as well. So, you know, there's a consultancy arm of, of the company. You know, I work as a consultant for, for brands and companies. I also, you know, ha- I'm a partner in a restaurant. You know, we also have the websites. We have the wellness programs. Um, there's a, you know, there's I've I've got an equity stake in some other companies. You know, so it's it's grown into something beyond a food blog. I, you know, I still love being a blogger. I still love. I still write all of the posts. I still develop all of the recipes, which I love to do. But there's a lot of other. You know, I also do a lot of public speaking, um, sit on panels, things like that. So there's a lot of different elements to it. And then in addition to that, I'm still an actor. So I still, you know, voice commercials and video games, albeit a lot of the time I do it under another name, just simply because um, I have morality clauses and some other things in some of my contracts. So yeah, yeah, it sort of grew from, uh, you know, an individual, you know, personal passion. And then I thought about, you know, what else could I do to spread the message of eating well, you know, and it, and it just kind of expanded from there. Wow. Have you always been this business savvy? Because I mean, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I, to be honest with you, it's interesting. You know, I had always worked as an employee. My parents had always worked as employees. I had never been an entrepreneur. Uh, And as I said, you know, I think that you know, we are the sum of our experiences and every experience gives you the tools for the next experience. If you listen and you take every every experience as an opportunity for growth, you know, and so as I said, you know, at the time when I was going out with Andrew, I was just the girlfriend who made the dinner and sort of thought I was a glorified handbag, really, as it turns out that I think a lot of the information was sort of being absorbed by osmosis, you know, and then I, it really, when it came time to apply some of those principles to my own brand, the more I did it, the more I realized that it worked. And then it became a template that I then applied to a lot of other companies, you know, and, and really I think building a business is about scalability. You know, it's about putting systems in place that you then are able to scale. So it's been an interesting experience. I, you know, to answer your question, it sort of evolved because nobody really taught me as such. I just started experimenting with some things and then they worked. And so I sort of, taught myself and then started to go to conferences and started to get mentors and join mastermind groups and go to different events and things like that and listen to podcasts and read books. And, you know, I I just started to, to become a bit of a sponge for information to just continue to learn, which I am still doing and, and will be doing till the day I die, you know, but I think that, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's like a puzzle. I think business is like a puzzle where, you know, you've constantly got to pivot and adapt and respond to stimuli and listen. And, you know, I think strong leaders surround themselves with people that have different strengths and are able to do things that I'm not able to do, you know. So, I mean, I certainly don't achieve everything on my own. You know, we have a team of people that all bring something very unique to the table. So it's definitely a a team effort on a daily basis. Beautiful. Well, I love how this whole movement started with your passion, you know, and who would have thought that that one little passion 
would have blossomed into this beautiful enterprise that you've built and this movement that you have created. And so I want to tap into your goodness here, Tess, and I would love for you to share some, some tips that you have on how our listeners today can boost their immunity. I know a lot of people are scared, and, and, I, and we're not saying on this show that we have the cure to coronavirus or that we have the cure to any flu. Let's just put that out there. But I do think, and I'm, and I'm sure you would agree with me, that boosting your immunity is good for your soul. It's good for your health. It's good to, to ward off some viruses when you can. And so I would love to hear what you got for us. Yeah, well, you know, I think that one of the most powerful things that we can do in any time in our lives is to get as much quality sleep and rest as possible. So I'm just going to start there because I think that stress is the silent killer of human beings, you know, in addition to poor diet, lack of exercise, environmental pollutants, et cetera. You know, so aside from this you know, unique period of history with with COVID-19. I think at any time, you know, I think that getting quality sleep and rest is is critical. And I think that the foods that we eat and the mindset that we embrace and the amount of movement and exercise that we engage in all contribute to that because it's about really nourishing your entire system physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, et cetera, whatever your jam is. So I think that a lot of people compartmentalize wellness, you know, so you're either spiritually well, but you might be eating fast food and not nourishing your physical body with good foods, or you might be eating really well, but you may be incredibly stressed and very negative and feel very defeated, et cetera. And so gut health, why why I'm so thrilled that the gut microbiome conversation really has trended in the last sort of six or so years is because, you know, people have, you know, in the mainstream have started to finally realize that eating probiotic promoting foods, that is probiotic rich foods, such as fermented sauerkraut, unsweetened, you know, high quality yogurts, probiotic supplements, etc. And then prebiotic foods such as leafy greens, you know, raw onion and garlic and allium, other alliums, asparagus, artichokes, you know, things that contain inulin, etc. With the aid the proliferation of the, the probiotic rich foods really can boost your immunity in a really powerful way. So I'll say aside from the rest and the sleep, the movement and the exercise, I really believe that taking in a lot of probiotic promoting foods and aiding your gut health is a huge boost for immunity. So I think there's very easy ways, you know, it's a quarter of a cup of fermented sauerkraut that's made without vinegar, you know, it's just most of them are just cabbage and water and the natural compounds in the cabbage create sort of a chemical reaction that helps the cabbage to ferment quite quickly. And we don't need vinegar, you know. So I think that that's a really easy, very inexpensive way to, to boost your immunity is to do a quarter of a cup before or with the first bite of food or during lunch and dinner. You know, and starting small with that, I think having, you know, a a probiotic capsule with a glass of water first thing in the morning on an empty stomach or when you go to bed is another great strategy. Having some unsweetened yogurts, another great strategy. And then, you know, I think that, you know, the movement and exercise piece is really key to immunity because it stimulates our lymphatic system. It aids detox. It stimulates the peristaltic movement of the digestive tract. It helps us to breathe more clearly and, you know, all these different things. So I think that's a big one. In terms of food, you know, in addition to the probiotic promoting foods, 
I think that, you know, there's so much conflicting information about health and nutrition out there that often it can get very confusing about what is the right thing to do and what is right and what is wrong. So I don't like to think in black and white terms like that because we are all bio-individual. We have different, you know, sex, genealogy, stress levels, activity levels. We live in different climates, et cetera, different ages. And so what we need at any given moment is going to shift in response to what we need emotionally, physically, spiritually, etc. However, the one thing that everybody agrees on is that plants are a boon to health and we should be eating as many of them as possible. And so that's why I like this shift from plant-based being a synonym for veganism, which I don't believe it is, Mm -hmm. and plant-based being exactly literally that, where your plate should be based in plants. And so, and and anything else you eat should form a lower percentage of your plate. So I really like the 80-20 rule for, you know, boosting or encouraging appropriate immune responses. So the 80-20 rule, meaning 80% of your plate is non-starchy vegetables, for example. So leafy greens, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, zucchini, you know, summer squashes, peppers, whatever it might be. And 20% is, you know, if you're going to be an, if you're an omnivore and you're going to eat animal protein, clean, high quality animal protein. Um, If you're doing plant only, you know, nuts and seeds, some grains like quinoa, millet, amaranth, buckwheat, etc. And I think that When we adopt that composition of our plate, we're giving our body the nutrients that it needs to run better. So our body is a miraculous organism, you know, and if we think about, you know, the immune systems made up of cells, proteins, tissues, organs, and it's bone marrow, spleen, the tonsils, the thymus, the lymph, the blood, the liver, the gut, the bowels, and the skin. The skin is a big one. And I'll talk about that in a second with skincare and stuff, because I think that's very, very commonly overlooked with regards to immune responses. You know, and our body has this incredible immune elite force comprised of all of the things I just rattled off, you know, and our body knows what to do to fend off hostile invaders like viruses, bacteria, um, toxins, stress, mold, yeast, fungi, all these different things when we can aid it. But because we are barraged with a constant influx of toxins from all kinds of places, whether it be stress, you know, sedentary lifestyle, environmental pollutants, disease, bacteria, etc. We can overrun right our body and we just can't keep up with it, which is when disease sets in, right? So I think to aid our body, taking in as many high quality plant-based foods as possible that we know help the body to run better and aid detox, the natural flushing out of toxins, hydrate the body with high water content foods. You know, that's another big one for immune responses is staying hydrated with filtered water, but more importantly, high water content raw foods. Because if you think about it, when you cook foods, you're ostensibly removing water from them on a level. And the more you cook things, the more water you take out of them. So high water content foods like the leafy greens, berries, celery, carrots, cruciferous vegetables, etc., melons, they contain sometimes, you know, over 95% water or over 90% water, but it's mineral rich water. So it's not only 
fluids, but it's also minerals, vitamins, fiber, all these other things, right? So when we do that, we help the body to regulate appropriate immune responses and appropriate inflammatory responses, you know? So I think that there's a direct correlation with inflammation and disease, right? So sugar creates acid, acid creates inflammation and inflammation is at the root of all disease. So you're not going to find someone who has an acute disorder who doesn't have inflammation, chronic inflammation or excessive or inappropriate inflammation in their body, right? So the human body with a natural immune response, you know, if you cut your finger is a perfect example. So when you cut your finger, it swells up, it crosses over and you can heal yourself. That's an appropriate inflammatory response. An inappropriate or excessive inflammatory response occurs when we are not nourishing our body with healthy foods, exercise, sleep, rest, hydration, etc. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of different foods that we can eat, you know, obviously green juices, low sugar smoothies, high fiber, whole foods, you know, whole grains, if you're going to eat grains. I think that taking in as little added sugar as possible. You know, I think we often confuse sugar and added sugar as the same thing, you know. So there's carbohydrates, which break down into sugars, in fruits, vegetables, you know, grains, pastas, etc. But then we've got our added sugars, you know. So whether it's cane sugar or maple syrup or coconut sugar or agave or whatever these things might be, it's still contributing to our overall intake of sugar. So I think that's another really powerful thing for immunity is is really regulating and limiting our intake of added sugars, you know? And then I think just going back to the skincare thing that I said I'd talk about, you know, the skin is the largest organ in the body. It takes in whatever it comes into contact with. So I think that often you know, we're taking in a lot of toxins. There's some really alarming statistics, you know, at the Environmental Working Group and some other organizations about the amount of toxins that that human beings are exposed to, particularly women, because women are wearing makeup and wearing a lot of perfume and putting a lot of products in their hair and all these sorts of things. So we're exposed to it. We, we, well, we can be exposed to an enormous amount of toxins in our skincare and our cleaning products, you know. And so when you're putting things onto your skin, I would argue that what you put onto your hair and your skin is just as important, if not more important, than what you ingest because we have a natural vetting mechanism with our digestive system where we can separate the good from the bad in terms of the foods that we take in, right? So we've got our liver and our our colon and our kidneys and, you know, that that help to detoxify the body. Whereas when we take it in through our skin, it bypasses a lot of that and can go directly into our bloodstream. So I think that looking at using quality skincare products and hair care products that don't contain a lot of additives, preservatives, toxins, chemicals, et cetera, I think is a huge thing you can do for immunity to stay as healthy and strong as possible. And when you are nourishing your body in all these different ways and sleeping to go back to what I first talked about you you have more energy and when you have more energy then you're able to move and exercise more and so it's this constant I think a total approach of all these different strategies that help you to aid your body to run better and to achieve better health so that you can create a better level of energy so that you in turn can aid your body to get a better quality of rest and sleep. And then it's rinse and repeat every day, you know? So when you go to sleep and you have quality rest and sleep, you wake up feeling refreshed. 
energized. It affects your mood. If you've got good gut health, then it affects your mood and your ability to cope with things and to feel vibrant and motivated and positive and inspired to really achieve things. And then the more you achieve, that in turn feeds everything else because then you feel really good about yourself. You've got good self-esteem, you know. So I think I like a total approach to immunity, not just, hey, eat leafy greens or eat sweet potato or eat shiitake mushrooms or eat, you know, garlic or eat, you know. I, I think that we can get hung up on these lists of foods. I think that eating a rainbow, eating whole foods as close to their natural state as possible and eating things in moderation and achieving balance in all things that you do, I think is a much more fun approach. Mm. And we have a ton of time on our hands to take notes on everything you just said. If any of you need to re-listen to this episode, to write all those things down, re-listen to it and start to make small changes because we're all inside. And so we want to be using our time super wisely. And I have to say, Tess, I'm feeling a little bit shamed right now because I dyed my hair with a box hair dye yesterday to darken my to darken my highlights. And you were talking about skincare, what we put on our body. I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Am I okay? <laughs> oh, that's great. No, look, here's the thing though. I mean it's it's all about moderation and balance. So, I mean, and I, you know, I say this all the time, you know, particularly with my health programs, when I'm leading people through things where we have a very set structure, we have a daily routine, we have meal plans, we have recipes, you know, and people just beat themselves up if they don't do everything perfectly, you know, and I, perfection is just completely unobtainable. You know, the perfection is the, is in embracing the imperfection and embracing the concept that you're a work in progress and you're going to do your version of good, better, or your best, never perfect or not perfect, you know, and just giving yourself the breathing room to fail in adverted commas, you know, but I, I kind of feel like, is it okay to make mistakes? Yeah, particularly if you want to learn from them. So making mistakes and, you know, getting a big old dose of what you don't want to do, I think is so powerful and so beneficial. So, you know, we kind of have this saying in the programs, it's just good, better or best, not perfect, you know, and just Mm. having a relaxed celebratory approach where we celebrate every win. And sometimes wins come in the form of perceived losses. But when you learn from it and you go, wow, okay, I'm really glad that I know that about myself. No, so I mean, every day it's just an opportunity to collect data about yourself so that you can understand yourself better, understand what your emotional triggers are, understand what motivates you so that you can make better choices today and make even better choices tomorrow. And I think that when we adopt that stay in the moment kind of philosophy about not beating ourselves up and celebrating every win, no, how, no matter how small it might be. And I think life life is not a linear one step in front of the other journey. You know, it's more like a cha-cha, you know, where sometimes you take one step forward, 50 steps back, two steps forward, three steps to the side, around and around, upside down, through the ringer and back, you know, and that's just the journey of life. And when you accept that and celebrate that and stay in each moment and make the most of every opportunity to learn and gather data and grow and celebrate, I think that's where the magic happens. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I can't wait to hear what you would give, what advice you would give your younger self if you were looking back. But before I go there, while I have you, you mentioned something earlier about filtered water. And I just want to go back there for just a minute to ask you if you have 
any hydration tips? And here's why I ask that. We're all, again, quarantined. People are trying to figure out, should I order bottled water? Should I buy a filter for my home? Should I, you know, just use the tap water or the filtered water coming from my fridge? And I found that you made it a specific point to say filtered when you talked about water. Do you have any specific preference or leaning as it relates to hydration? Yeah, I mean, I deliberately say filtered water always because there's... The quality of water varies greatly depending on your municipality and depending on where you live, you know, and what your water source is. So it's a very, very general thing that I'm about to say, you know, but and the the level of filtration that is required is going to depend on your preferences. It's going to depend on your, you know, the quality of your water system to begin with. And it's going to depend on your budget and your lifestyle. Right. So you can spend, you know, as much on a, a, a filtration system as you spend on a car, you know, if you really want to. So I think that that, you know, I use a Nikon waterfall. I really, 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 really love it because it's got mineral stones. So it filters really beautifully. It makes the water very soft and almost creamy uh, with a mouthfeel. And it it replenishes the minerals. So I'm a very, and it's very, very easy to use and it's relatively inexpensive. So I think I really, really love that one. With regards to hydration, you know, I think that, drinking a a combination of hot and room temperature beverages is a really good strategy. I'm not a very big fan of really, really cold beverages. Obviously, I drink smoothies and they're cold, obviously, with frozen fruit and ice, etc. But I'm also a big fan of drinking herbal teas. I'm a big fan of doing a glass of lemon water when I first wake up in the morning because that not only hydrates you after a night's rest, it also is alkaline forming. So it offsets the acids that are caused as we detox while we're sleeping. It also helps to kickstart the liver as it's been working really hard to detoxify during during rest. I'd also stimulate the peristaltic movement of the digestive tract. So it signals to the body that food is coming so it can aid digestion somewhat. So I'm a big fan of that strategy. I'm also a big fan of tracking your liquid and fluid intake, you know. So if you're somebody that forgets to drink throughout the day, you know, use one of the hydration apps. There is there's a ton of them out there and they're free and iTunes or whatever, or just setting an alarm, kitchen alarm or an alarm on your on your phone or your tablet or whatever, or your computer, and just reminding yourself to drink fluids. You know, this is there's another popular misconception that I won't drink all day and then I'll chug, you know, four glasses of water, you know, in 10 minutes. The body can only absorb so much water per hour or per time, you know, so mm-hmm. it's actually counterproductive to do that, you know, so you want to be hydrating regularly throughout the day. And I think, as I said before, a really good strategy, I think, is to eat something fermented and something raw with every meal. So if you're eating a cooked meal, for example, like a stew or a stir fry or roasted or steamed or stir fried vegetables, for you know, I would always pair that with a, a chopped up raw tomato or a chopped up raw cucumber or a little bit of raw celery or some sauerkraut or something that's raw. And I know that everyone's steering clear of raw foods in the, you know, in this current climate with COVID-19 because we want to cook as much as possible because heat kills the virus, right? So there's merit to that. But I do think that if you scrub and wash your fruits and vegetables per the CDC guidelines or per the WHO guidelines, wherever you're living, you know, I think that 
you can absolutely enjoy raw food safely at this time. So I think that making sure that you're taking in high water content raw foods every single day in some form, whether it's the form of a small side salad or a large salad as your main meal, or, you know, making sure you're doing a smoothie or a raw soup or sauerkraut or all these different things I've talked about, you know, I think is really, really helpful for hydration, you know? So I think that if you're only eating all cooked foods, not only are you missing out on, you know, new nutrients some in some foods you know the nutrients become more bioavailable and they're more potent in the cooked form of the food and in other you know other ways they can be more potent when the food is raw so i think a good strategy again is balance you know to not do all raw and not do all cooked do a balance of raw and cooked foods and then also take in an adequate amount of fluids throughout the day i think that's a good balance strategy for hydration oh test Thank you so much. I can't even tell you how many gems of knowledge you have just dropped and how invaluable those tips have been. And I really just appreciate you sharing so much of your experience and your expertise with us and to support everyone in building up their health, especially during a time like this where a lot of people are scared and nervous and overwhelmed and confused, you know, for you to just kind of clearly let us know what we should be doing, I think is really going to help a lot of people. So thank you for thank you for that. If you could look back and give your younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Stay in the moment. Relish the moment. I think that Joy can be a very elusive thing for some people, you know, and often we confuse happiness and joy, you know, as being the same thing, just like we confuse movement and exercise or sleep and rest as the same thing. They're different, you know, or they can be different. But I think that joy is a very subjective thing, you know, and I think this concept of time, particularly in in our society now where everything is so fast paced and the news cycles are so, so fast and with social media, everything's so immediate, we want instant gratification. You know, I think that it can be, it's very common to either exist in a place where we're looking back at the past and wanting to redo things or wanting to retake things or improve upon things or make amends, or we're constantly waiting for the right moment for when something happens in the future. And I think that it can really take us out of the present. And so if I could give myself a piece of advice for my myself 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, it would be the same advice now because I think that this concept of time, you know, a minute takes 60 seconds to pass, whether you choose to stay present in the moment of those 60 seconds or whether you're thinking about the past or projecting into the future during those 60 seconds. The outcome is exactly the same, but our experience of that 60 seconds can be very, very different. So I think that in order to really appreciate and cherish and live in a state of abundance and gratitude uh, and joy, it is the sum of those moments and choosing to be fully present in those moments. And I think when we're fully present uh, and open to all possibilities and sitting in gratitude for what we can control as opposed to what we can't control and allowing things to be what they are, allowing other people to be who they are and allowing yourself and other people in your life to show up the way that they are able to show up in this moment um, is a, a really powerful gift that we can give ourselves and the people that we're in relationship with. You know, I think that my dad 
said something to me a long time ago. He said, you know, the joy of life is tied up in expectations. And when you set your expectations in a grateful, joyful place of just allowing, then you're open to seeing the magic and even the most simple things. So I think that, yeah, that's it. And also just be kind to yourself and everybody you come in contact with. Yeah, powerful, powerful. How can our audience find and support you? How can we support your work? <laughs> uh, well, you can find me at theblendergirl.com or thedecadentdetox.com or skinny60.com. I think in, on social media, the place where most people congregate is on the Blender Girl Facebook page. We have almost 2 million people there. There's also the Blender Girl uh, Facebook group, which anybody can join. I also have a weekly cooking club that people can join where I cook once a week on a private Zoom call and everybody cooks the same recipe at the same time. And so you can talk to me, you know, face to face and other people around the world and we're all cooking the same thing. It's really fun. So yeah, it, and I do I do answer still every single email that comes in. It sometimes takes me a few weeks, but I do. So if you are listening to this and you have a question about something I've spoken about, you can always feel free to, to email us and my assistants will flag it and put it aside for me and I will respond to it myself. Oh, lovely, Tess. Lovely. Thank you for joining us. And I cannot wait to have you back. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources, as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.